Good morning, family. Hope you guys are doing all right this morning at the 9 a.m. service of the North River Church of Christ. It's great to be here with you guys. And I'm going to make sure my slides are working. Okay, sweet. So, hey, it's great to be here. Hey, it's an amazing day. There's a lot going on this weekend. You know, we already mentioned that it's going to be the teen, honor, teen honoring, which is such a special event for so many of us. Do you guys remember high school? That, that was a scary place, man. So congratulations on getting out, you know. Um, we got the campus training program in town. It's such an incredible thing. And uh, there's over 300 students here, or 250 students here, over 100 from up and down the East Coast and all across the nation. And when they're all here, I, I was going to ask them to give you a rounding like applause to the North River family, thanking you for hosting them. But since they're not here, I'll do it. Thank you so much. Just thank you. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thank you for hosting us. We couldn't host without you guys. You know, you're, you guys are hosting over 100 students and over, I think it's over 35 uh, families' homes of North River. So thank you so much. We really do stand on the shoulders of giants. We love being a part of this family. And then, of course, it's Nick and Bree's wedding this afternoon, which is so exciting. It's amazing. And uh, hey, it's a huge weekend for them. We had the rehearsal here last night. They're getting married on this stage. I think my spot is like right, it's like right there. And I'm going to be standing right there. And, uh, but it, I'm so happy to be up here with them. Um, it's such a special time. The, the Broyle family and the Shaw family means the world to us. And pray for me because I'm running the CTP. I'm in that wedding and I'm preaching right now. So just pray for me if you can remember me in your prayers. And, but we're, we're talking about 1 Kings 18 today. If you can go and flip over your Bibles to 1 Kings 18. The title of today's lesson is the title or the theme of our campus training program. And that's the time is now. And we've been looking at Exodus and really zeroing in on Moses, you know, the past several months together as a family. We're going to jump back into that in June. But when you ask a lot of Bible scholars, hey, who are the three most powerful men of all time? A lot of them would point to the Mount of Transfiguration during Jesus' time. And of course, you got Jesus up there, the Son of God himself. He rose from the dead. And he called back two people, whether it was from the grave or their spirits, there was two other men there with him. One was Moses. We've been studying out, and it's clear why he should be in that three category, where he split the Red Sea, he called down the plagues from heaven. But there's one other man with Jesus and Moses on the Mount of Transfiguration, and his name was Elijah. And that's what we're going to be looking at today in 1 Kings 18. And so we know this story well. It's one of the most popular and famous stories in the Bible, but maybe you forget what happened. And so we're just going to talk through... What happened? And so during this time, Israel has split off from Judea. It's after King David, after Solomon, they split off. And we're in the northern kingdom of Israel right now. And what's happened is that the people had started to waver between God and the other pagan gods. And they started worshiping these other, other idols. And the king at this time, his name is Ahab. And so then we have Elijah come to the king Ahab, and he says, you know what, enough's enough. We need to stop this. Go get everybody, because I'm, we're going to have a showdown on Mount Carmel. So they go get all the prophets of Baal, come up to Mount Carmel, and that's where we're going to jump into our story, uh, 1 Kings 18, in verse 20. So it says, so Ahab sent word throughout all Israel and assembled the prophets on Mount Carmel. Elijah went before the people and said, how long will you waver between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. 
And if Baal is God, follow him. And check this out, what the people said. The people said what? Nothing. And so the people don't even respond to him. Elijah comes, tries to get them to make a decision. They don't say anything. So he says, you know what? This is work we're going to do, okay? We're going we're to have a little showdown here. The prophets of Baal are going to set up an idol. I'm going to set up an idol or, or an altar, and then I'm going to set up an altar. And then we're going to call upon our God to rain down fire. And whichever God responds with fire, that's the true God. And the people went, that's a really good idea. Like, we could serve a God that calls down fire from heaven. Let's do that, okay? And so then the prophets of Baal, they go first. And that's what we're going to pick up here in verse, in verse 26. It says, so they took the bull given to them and pre- prepared it. Then they called on the name of Baal from morning until noon. Baal, answer us, they shouted. But there was no response and no one answered. And they danced around the altar that they had made. At noon, Elijah began to taunt them. Shout louder, he said. Surely he is a god. Perhaps he is deep in thought or busy or traveling or in the bathroom. Maybe they shouted. So they shouted louder and they slashed themselves with swords and spears, as was their custom, until blood flowed. Midday passed and they continued their frantic prophesying to the time for the evening sacrifice. But there was no response. No one answered. And no one paid any attention. Man, if you ever think the prophets didn't have a sense of humor, you can just read this. They got a sense of humor here. But aren't we so good as a human race? Have you noticed this? At hurting ourselves. We're so good at it. And we just, we we consistently, whether it's emotionally, whether it's physically, whether it's spiritually, we're like our own worst enemies. And we drive ourselves and we hurt ourselves. And man, I know for me personally, I I just need people in my life to help take care of me. Thank you. I have an amazing wife, Latoya, helps take care of me. Brothers, is there any brothers in the house that have a wife that just takes care of you and protects you? Can you just say amen? We need you women. Thank you so much. However, all of us have this spiritual condition where we almost consistently get ourselves into a funk. We just get funky spiritually. And it doesn't, you can't smell it, but you can whiff it. You know what I mean? It's just funky. But we know what's right. We know what the Bible says. We know we should believe in God. We know we should confess our sins, have deep one another relationships. We know that we should praise God, that we should live for God, that we should repent and turn to God. We know we should carry out the great commission and the great commandment. And yet, so many times we don't do that, do we? And we, and we go down this slippery slope of just hurting ourselves And maybe it's not slashing ourselves and dancing around an idol, but we find ourselves in these places of just consistently hurting ourselves. And so no one answers. They cried out. No one answered from Baal. And then so what Elijah does, he goes, okay, so my turn. And so what he does is he rebuilds the altar of the Lord. He puts the bull on top of it. And then he takes a giant jug of water and and he gets people to throw it all over it. And he might go, wait a second, you're supposed to call down fire from heaven. Water and fire don't match. He goes, exactly. Because God can do something that's not supposed to happen. So he gets even more people to throw water on it. He goes, one more time. And more people to throw water on it. And he says, now I'm ready. And then in verse 36, it says, at the time of the sacrifice, the prophet Elijah stepped forward and prayed. The Lord, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known today that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant. And I've done all these things at your command. Answer me, Lord, answer me. So these people will know that you are Lord, our God, and that you are turning their hearts back again. 
Then the fire of the Lord fell and burned up the sacrifice, the wood, the stones, and the soil, and also licked up the water in the trench. When all the people saw this, they fell prostrate and cried, the Lord, he is God, the Lord, he is God. What an amazing God we serve, where Elijah can cry out to the Lord and he answers. We serve a God who answers, do you realize that? And what's amazing, can you imagine just being there in this moment? Can you even imagine being on top of the mountain and it's the evening sacrifice, the sun's going down, the brightest star's already out, the moon's starting to rise and there's this man that is standing there before the people crying out to the Lord. And suddenly this blazing furnace, is like a volcano upside down just shoots down towards you. And when things happen in life, a lot of things happen that cause a physical response. Sometimes something so meaningful, it makes you sit down just to take it all in. Other times, something's so exciting, you stand up in excitement because you're so excited. Did you see what the people did here? That this was so intense, it was so powerful that their first physical reaction was to fall prostrate on the ground, their face in the dirt, and just to cry out, the Lord is God, the Lord, he is God. What an incredible moment to cause such a strong physical reaction. What a humbling, powerful God we serve. But why did God do this? We, we've read all the powerful things he did in Exodus. They should know who God is. They should know what kind of God they serve. Why did God do this? It's because the people had forgotten who God is. And they had forgotten how powerful their God is. Have you forgotten who God is? Not have you forgotten God but have you forgotten who he is? Because I know you believe in God, you're here. I know you believe in God, but what God do you believe in? You see, we can't change who God is, right? Our belief in him does not change who he is. He's a strong God, he's a powerful God, he's a mighty God. He's mighty, he's mighty, he's strong, he's strong. You know, we sing about it, right? So we can't change him, but you can view him however you want to. And you can have a perspective of him however you want to. It doesn't mean you have the right perspective of who he is. So how big is your God? How big is your God? Because you see, over time, as we go through life, stuff happens, junk happens. I'm sorry, teenagers that are graduating. Life's hard, it's great, but it's hard, okay? Stuff happens. And what can happen is you can get stuck in this sin, and you cry out, and you try to change it, and, and years go by, and you still have the same sin. And you start questioning, is, is God strong enough to, t to still transform my life? Or you get in a weird situation with a relationship or something hard happens in life, and you start questioning whether or not God is still powerful enough to make a difference in your specific life. And suddenly our God can get smaller and smaller and smaller. And our problems can get bigger and bigger and bigger. Is your God bigger than your problems? Because if you serve a really big God, it doesn't matter how big the problem is, your God can handle it. But if you serve a really small God, once you hit a really big problem, your God cannot help you. So how big is your God? You know, during problems and during hard times is when you figure out how big your God is. And Latoya, my wife and I, went through one of the hardest trials of our lives like six months ago, at the end of the year, and we had a miscarriage at 10 weeks. And that was one of the most trialing and tough things we've ever gone through. 
and to have our hopes so high and just to have them ripped away from us. And I started questioning God in a way I never had before. And I never thought I would. I started wondering, is he even strong enough to hear my prayers? Is his heart big enough to care? Is he powerful enough to change this and to give us what we are calling for? And it was really tough for us. It was really hard for us. But we had to come to a place and a conviction that not getting the answer we want from God doesn't mean God can't answer. And that the response we get from God doesn't determine who he is. And we had gotten so confused and messed up on that instead of trusting that he knows best. And yet you figure out how great God is from, and how big your God is from the low lows, but also the high highs. This moment was a high high for these people where they fell down and they cried out, the Lord is God, the Lord, he is God. When are those moments for you where there's a high high for you where you've just, God is real, he is working, he's my God, he'll never forget it. We can't forget those moments, right church? And God does answer. It's crazy. Just six months ago, Toy and I were in a low low, and now we're at a high high. It's just been six months, but he's heard our prayers. I'm happy to announce that Toy and I are 17 weeks pregnant. We're so excited. We're so pumped up. See the little hello world? It's just, it's awesome. It's awesome. We got the Keeves staying with us this weekend. They have a month old, so we're getting a little practice right now, and so it's, it's going to be great, not sleeping. But um, guys, here's the thing, here's the thing. God isn't a means to an end, though, and that's something we had to get to, and that's not what I'm trying to preach, is that you go through a low, low, you cry to God, and then you get what you want. God isn't a means to the end. He is the end. We serve an amazing God, not because of what he gives us, but because of who he is, As soon as we start going, I'm only going to serve you because you give me what you want, we've missed out on who God is. We have to have this in our brain and our mind so transfixed that the time is now to do what? Before we go do anything, the time is now to have a perspective. The time is now to know something. The time is now to know who God is. Amen? Because before you can go out and do great things, you got to serve a great God. Before you go out and do amazing things, you got to serve an amazing God. Before you go out and do big things, you got to serve a big God. So you got to start on who God is. But because we know who he is, that does call a response from us. And we're going to see this in verse 21, the prophet Elijah. Sometimes it's just helpful to remember these were real people. You know what I mean? This isn't just a storybook. This is, a, this is history. The prophet Elijah was a real man, and he spoke to real people, and he had this quote, how long will you waver between two opinions? The Lord is God, follow him. But if the Baal is God, follow him. Have you realized that just because he made Jesus Lord when he got baptized, that you'll still waver? Just because he made a commitment once doesn't mean you'll never have to worry about that commitment again. I know I'm not the only one that has to recommit consistently. You know what I'm talking about? And almost go through a reconversion of my heart. And I have to ask this question. What makes you waver? What is it? And you might go, well, at least it's not that idol of Baal. What's wrong with those people? You know what I mean? At least I don't worship a little statue. But if you understand why they did it, it might actually help. You see, the, prophet, the idol of Baal, this false god... He was the the false god or the god of fertility. 
And so in a time back then, you take your place, we're in Israel, so it's a very dry desert climate, and it was a mainly agricultural society. And so their whole success was based off of how their crops did. And then it was a time of a high infant mortality rate. And so this God that promised, hey, I'll give you great crops, and then I'll bless your babies and your children, they started wanting to go to him instead of God to protect themselves. And that's what an idol is. It's when you feel or you believe that something will give you something that God won't. And that's where these people had gotten to, where they thought Baal could give them something to take care of the success of their crops or take care of their children in a way that God couldn't. What idols do you have in your life? What is it that you believe will give you something that God won't or will give you something better than God can? Is it the, is it the false God of success? Where you, I'm going to go here for content. I'm going to go here to security instead of God. Is it the false God of relationships? I'm going to go here for acceptance. I'm going to go here for love instead of for God. What, what is it for you? Where you go to this other thing to fill you instead of to God. What makes you waver? And you know what? That's what I appreciate about Elijah. It's that he calls it out. He takes a stand and he says, you know what? You can't do this anymore. You have to pick one or the other. If you want to worship Baal, that's fine, but you can't waver in the, in the middle. You remember how Jesus said it? No one can serve two masters. That there's only one. And he says, I'm going to take a stand. I'm going to be planted in this. I'm going to call you to do the same. It's, and to Elijah, it was just as ridiculous as in a marriage. Can you imagine if I went to my wife and I said, hey, hon, I'm wavering between you and another girl. <laughs> you might not ever see me again. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? That just wouldn't work, right? It wouldn't work. And that's so like out of the question for us, and yet we think it's okay to waver between God and something else. We have to have a conviction like Elijah that I'm not going to waver and that I'm going to stand strong before my God. I know there's a few teens in here that are graduating and the rest are going to come at the 11, but man, I want to talk to you guys because I did waver for a long time, and I wavered in my in my youth. I, I grew up in this church. I know a lot of you guys and grew up with knowing you guys. And then from ninth grade through most of, or part of college, I wavered. And I, and I walked away from the Lord. I walked away from God. And I regret every moment of that. I do. And I'm so grateful for when I decided to take a stand and when God gave me that power to be able to take a stand. And the, guys, the time is now before you start thinking about, hey, what college am I going to go to? What job am I going to make? Where am I going to live? What's most important is your walk with God. And what's most important is your walk with God. Man, don't stop living a life that you'll regret. And start living a life you'll be grateful for with God and God alone. And I also want to talk to the families. I just want to say thank you. Because a lot of you guys haven't wavered for decades. And I know for me, when I left and I came back, there were still a lot of families that hadn't wavered the whole time. And maybe you had small things, but you stayed true and you fought through it. Thank you. Because if you guys hadn't wavered, or if you guys did waver, I wouldn't have had a place to come back to. And I know for a lot of our teens and a lot of our younger people, we might not say it a lot, but we see. We see you guys. We see your consistency. We see your walks with God. We see how much you pour out into God, into the church, and into taking care of your families. And it's setting a foundation for us, even if we don't say it. We see. Amen? Amen. 
So if you're wavering today, decide to change. Decide to stop. And no, it might not happen like that, but you can develop a plan. Amen? And you can build a plan that one step at a time, you can take steps to get to a place where you are firm and where you can decide not to waver anymore, but to live and to follow God. And so the time is now to know who God is and to know or and to not waver and to follow the Lord. Guys, because here's why I wanted to talk about this is because every single week I have a conversation with somebody that left God because of hypocrisy and that walked away from the church because they saw people talking about it but not living it out. They saw people that said they believed in God but didn't do anything about it. They saw people that talked about it but weren't walking about it. You know what I'm talking about? And, they, and people, it's hard to see God, but they can see people. And so they don't see God living out in people. They start wondering if God is big themselves. So let's be that church that shows the world that, you know what, we're, we're not perfect. We got mistakes, but we're not just going to believe, but we're also going to follow. Amen. And let's be that light to the world that says, hey, come join us. Come live with us. Come be a part of our family. So, and, and you can figure it out here. And we're not going to be fake because the world is looking for authenticity. Have you realized that? It's looking for a depth. It's looking, looking for real people that are willing to talk about real things. But then not just fake this walk with God but, and not just act like it on Sunday and then leave, but act like it on every single day. Let's be that church to the world that says, hey, come do it with us. Because we are going to try to not just believe in this, but because we know who we follow, we're going to live it out also. Amen, guys? And going into our time of communion, it's so simple to think about this, that the time is now, now literally during communion, to know who Jesus is. And to not waver and to follow the Lord. And so as I pray and as you have a time of communion, remember who Jesus is to you. And not the Jesus that your work week and the distracted week makes you how you view him, but who the scriptures say Jesus is. And to recommit yourself this morning to not waver and to follow God. Amen? Join with me in prayer. Father God, we love you. We adore you. We just, we cherish you, God. And it's not because of what you give us. You, you've given us lives, you've given us families, you've given us a church home, you've given us so much, God, but I pray that we never serve you because of the creation, but we serve you because you're the creator. And God, I pray that during this time, we can remember who Jesus is, and not who the world says Jesus is, but who the scriptures say Jesus is. And we can just not waver, God, and we can take this time to recommit to you. So we love you, and in Jesus' holy name we pray, amen.